Why, hello there, and welcome to the Psych Patient Podcast. I'm your host, Jeanette, and today I have with me Anna Page. Anna lives in Wisconsin. This is my first podcast episode done via Zoom, so I'm hoping the audio quality will be okay. We get cut off about halfway through the episode and have to start a new recording, so you'll definitely notice that. Anna has been through so much, and especially in the last year, we cover some pretty heavy topics, so as per usual, trigger warnings for discussions about suicide and other heavy things and just make sure you're in the right headspace before you listen. The hope is, of course, that people will find inspiration and feel less alone as well as learn some things from Anna's story. So grateful to Anna for sharing and here we go. Thanks for doing this. Oh, you're welcome. Kind of like a vulnerable thing to do. Yes. Or a very vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. And I think what you're doing is also very vulnerable and important. And I'm, I think it's so cool that you, you do this. So it was a no brainer for me to, to say yes. And if it helps one, one person to feel less alone in this world, then you know, that's, that's good. So. Yeah. That's the goal, right? Yeah. That's how I feel too. I'm like, even if it only reaches 50 people, maybe a few of those people will be helped by listening to somebody else's story. So before we like get into your story and everything, should we do the mood rating? Yes. I would love that. Okay. Do you want to do between zero and 10? Um, I'm going to go with a 6.8. Okay. So, I mean, that's good for me because um, this year so far I've been at or below a five. So uh, a 6.8 is great for me. I'm just really excited to talk to you. So mm-hmm. Thanks. I'm excited <laughs> to talk to you too. And I agree. 6.8 is great. Yeah. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. How about um, a mood word? Well, the sun is shining today. And I'm feeling pretty good. Got my hair done and my makeup done. I'm going to say I feel chipper. Yay. I approve of that word. I love that. <laughs> it's so, it's just, uh, it makes me feel good. So, yeah. Uh, okay, so I'll do mine really quick. So, zero to ten. I'm going to go with the seven. And mood word. I'm excited. I'm excited to see you because it's been so long and I'm excited to just hear your story and learn from it. Should we tell everyone how we know each other? Yes, we should. So did it start I, with Dari? It did start with Dari. Yeah. Like I met you through Dari. Shout out to Dari. I was just starting my wedding photography business at the time. I think this was 2007. Or 2006, I'm not sure. It's a little cloudy, but it was a long time ago. But that, mm-hmm. that's for sure. and I had asked her to do like a, a styled shoot as like a, a bridal session 
just to get practice for my photography. And she graciously allowed that. And she was so great. And you came along to the shoot with Brittany, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I just thought you girls were so nice and so cool. And I, I guess I was uh, included in your friend group in some capacity over the years that I was in Utah before I left. And um, I miss you all still. <laughs> I wish I could uh, hang out with you guys. And I feel like I kept in touch with you the most out of all those girls, maybe because we share the same problem. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. No, we, both of us on social media have shared our um, stories with PMDD and depression. And um, we've sent DMs and messages of support over the years, which I always appreciated so much. So I think I have talked to you the most out of all those girls, but I miss you all. Yeah, I think I can speak for all of us when I say we miss you too. Like, it was so fun to just get together, go to dinner. Also, you were my wedding photographer when I got married. Uh, Oh, yes. And did a wonderful job. Thank you. It was was really fun. And your bridal session was so fun too. I think that was my favorite. Yeah, that bright yellow wall. Oh. Yeah. And then like the sunset with your bike, like that was iconic. Like I put that on my website immediately and Mm -hmm. like just dropped dead, like loved, loved your session. They thought it was so unique. And I'm like, I know, like she's, she is unique. Like it was the best. That was so much fun. Yeah. I wish I could do bridles again, but that's not customary in Wisconsin. It's more of a thing. So you talking. Yeah. There's a lot of uh, interesting Utah themes. <laughs> a lot of interesting Utah. Yeah, the weddings here are very different from, from the ones in Utah. But uh, How's your foot, by the way? Well, I can, I can walk. If I try to walk at my normal pace before I got hit, there's a little bit of a limp and a little discomfort. But if I walk slower, no limp, no discomfort. Um, I finished physical therapy a few weeks ago. I'm hopeful it'll get better. I hope this isn't as good as it gets. Um, but uh, I'm going to the gym and just just working on uh, working those muscles that weren't working for months. Mm-hmm. Waking them up and like just getting used to using them all the time. Um, it's been it's been a journey. Like that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah, you could do like a five parter. <laughs> Right. Like it's just, yeah, but I feel, I'm starting to feel normal again. Cause for a long time I didn't feel normal and it feels good to be like in a regular shoe and not in a boot and walking around like a normal person. So yeah, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in that, in that department. Good. Maybe give like a little background about what's been going on recently. As you know, my year last year was very, very difficult. A lot of tragedies and setbacks happened. And at the end, my husband of 18 years have left me. This was literally like right before New Year's Eve. So the year ended on a real gut punch there. <laughs> so, so basically 
2023 has me, like, I'm just focusing on surviving and being alive at the end of the day. I'm very hyper-focused on making sure I take my antidepressant every day at the same time. I'm being extremely selfish and doing, I'm just like giving myself all the things that I need to feel comfort. And I think that's the opposite of selfish though, honestly, because you have to take care of yourself. That's how I was raised though. Like I was raised to think that way, but yeah, you're right. Like it's not selfish. Like I'm, I'm just taking care of myself and, and luckily I have that luxury because I own my own business and I'm in a a part of the year where I'm not very busy. Um, I'm a wedding photographer, so I will be shooting the weddings in the warmer months. And right now it's winter. So I, I do get a lot of time to just do nothing, (laughs) which is, I'm so I'm very grateful for that, Uh, the timing. I mean, it sucks that this happened, but the timing is as good as it could be, you know. Um, I would prefer that it happened now than than, than during wedding season. So I've just spent a lot of time giving myself grace and crying. And I have a therapist and been talking to her and talking to my friends. And I finally feel like I'm starting to crawl out of that dark hole that I was in for like a whole year. And I'm not quite out of it. I, I just see the light, you know, I'm, I'm going towards the light. So yeah. So like for a month I couldn't like get out of bed, like in January, February, I couldn't, I just stayed in bed all day. But like I said, my focus was to stay alive. And if I went to bed at night breathing, like I did good, like I succeeded that day. So. Absolutely. And I think too, like, I mean, 2022, what remind me what month your dad and your mother-in-law and your cousins passed away. They passed away last year in February, February. So it's already kind of a dark time for you right now. Yeah. Yeah, we we experienced the one year anniversary for for all those things and yeah, like losing my dad was that was like the worst day of my life for sure. Nothing prepares you. Like we he had a long-term illness. So we were prepared, but like I don't know, it like nothing prepares you for the death of a parent and I felt things that I didn't know I could feel. (laughs) And then you got, when, when did you get hit by the car? I got hit September 1st. I know (sighs) it's wild. It's wild. Cause this was in broad daylight at a four way stop. So I was in the crosswalk. I was almost to the other end. So I don't know what's going on. Like there's a part of me that, thinks the universe did this. <laughs> um, Cause like I was starting to feel a little bit better at that time. Cause I did have a miscarriage in July as well. Oh so gosh. I don't think I knew that. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, I only knew for like a week, so it was pretty early, but um, still very devastating. 
Yeah, I had one that early as well um, in, like, I think it was 2012. Um, And so I know exactly, like, because it's, like, it's early on, and so you're grateful in that way, like, because I'm sure the the longer it goes, the more devastating it is, right? But but at the same time, it's devastating no matter what. As soon as you see that positive when you're pregnancy test you're immediately in there you know immediately in there yeah yeah I was planning already and I'm so excited because I've I've always wanted to be a mom so yeah it that was another thing that happened (laughs) in 2022 so by the time I got hit I felt like I'm coming out of this hole and then the universe just shoves me back down like no you gotta a little bit longer. So then end the year with a bang. Oh yeah. Yeah. At that point it was like, Oh yeah, of course that happened. Like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> and I, I strongly believe that if that, if I hadn't gone through all of the hard things that I did throughout the year and then have to experience my husband walking out, I don't know if I would be handling it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, those things kind of prepared your soul for a hard thing as well. And, well, it's just, I mean, you know, I've been through a marriage ending as well. And mine was obviously a different situation than yours. Um, but I understand the mourning that comes along with it and the grief and just what you thought your life was going to be kind of just like the fact that you couldn't get out of bed and the fact that you were having such a hard time makes perfect sense to me, Uh especially considering the year that you've had, but then also just that in and of itself, you know? Right. Yeah. That was a, nightmare come true many worse nightmares came true for me in such a short amount of time but I'm proud of myself for how I've been handling it and I'm I'm still handling it but yeah yeah it's not that's no easy task but I think how you're looking at it is really great of just like if I go to bed at night and I'm breathing and I'm here and I'm alive that's a huge win Yes. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) Yeah. But so growing up, did you have mental health issues or like, did you get PMDD later in life or like kind of give us a background of your mental health when you kind of can look back and see that it started being a problem or a battle? Sure. Yeah. Um, Well, there's a lot there for me because I, when I was in first grade, I was diagnosed with hyperlexia, which some, I think some consider to be on the autism spectrum. Interesting. Uh, for those who don't know what hyperlexia is, um, you probably heard of dyslexia. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why hyperlexia is more well known. Maybe it's more rare. Um, but as you know, dyslexia is is when an individual has issues reading words. Um, my my thing was my reading was so 
beyond my grade level and I could read very well. I, uh, hyperlexic children are kind of obsessed with letters and numbers and they have very good reading skills. The problem with hyper, hyperlexic children is they just do the mechanics of reading and they're not really taking in what they're reading, like what it means, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's one part of it. <laughs> the other part is the social communication. When a hyperlexic person, oh, excuse me, a dyslexic person reads words, it looks all jumbled. Um, for me, when I hear words, it it's like gobbledygook. Like there's this YouTube video that I saw that was really interesting. Um, it's It was basically a video of what English sounds like to foreigners. And I watched it and it sounded exactly like how I hear verbal language. Um, wow. So look that up. That's how it feels. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So I've never I mean, heard of that ever. Never heard of it. Uh-uh. I, I don't think it's as well known. I, it might just be more rare. Um, I was diagnosed with type three hyperlexia. And from what I read, that is something you don't outgrow. So this is something that I'm going to have for the rest of my life. But over time, I've learned to decipher with body language and tone of voice and all that stuff and reading lips and stuff. So yeah, like in loud places like bars, I I get really uncomfortable because I can't understand anybody. And I get really anxious and self-conscious and that has affected my communication and connecting with other humans. So um, people like me are very sensitive. We're sensitive to sound, at least for me, I'm very sensitive to sound, um, touch like that. They thought that I was uh, like full blown autistic when I was little because I was I was not a big talker. Um, I did not make eye contact, like all the the typical things that one would think. But um, I ended up, they ended up determining that I was not autistic. It was was just hyperlexia. I do have autistic tendencies, but yeah, that, and I also read that people like me on the autism spectrum, hyperlexics tend to be vulnerable to depression and anxiety. So shocker (laughs) here I am. But, uh, I like overall, my childhood was pretty happy. It wasn't until I think the first time that I noticed something wasn't right was when I was 11 and I was invited to a birthday party. And the day of the party, I just had this overwhelming dread, fear for no reason. I'm just like, I can't go. I can't go. And I was so confused. I'm like, where is this coming from? And because I was so confused, I was crying hysterically. And like, my mom didn't know what to do. Like she, yeah, it was, it was so weird to feel that way because I like birthday parties, you know, they're fun, but I just didn't know why I, I, that was the first time I remember feeling like that. And, um, 
you know, when you get to be that age, you become more self-aware. And I was becoming more self-aware of the fact that I'm a learning disabled student, so I'm different from everyone and I'm lesser than, you know. I had to go to a separate room in school for certain subjects and, you know, it it felt kind of isolating. And yeah, I just felt lesser than a lot of the time. So by the time I reached that age, it, it was just like, oh, you know, and you're developing those hormones too and all that stuff. So it was, that was the first time I remember feeling that awful dread of, of anxiety. And, um, throughout school, I struggled socially. Um, I, I wasn't one to have a lot of friends. Which kind of, kind of makes sense because you're coming at things from such a different place with your hyperlexia and your like autistic tendencies. And I imagine it was really isolating and probably not being able to necessarily understand what people are saying to you. Uh It probably made it hard to want to like, I don't know. I can just imagine how as a kid, you just kind of keep to yourself or, you know, that's that's spot on. Like I, since I became self-aware of who I was compared to the other kids I felt like I wasn't worthy to I don't know like I wish I could crawl back into my 13 year old brain again but that was a long time ago (laughs) but I there was kind of like a sense of well, if I don't speak and if I don't go anywhere, I can't hurt anybody and I'm not going to get hurt by other people. They're not going to judge me. So I'm just going to isolate. Mm-hmm. That, that was one of the the reasonings I had in my head. And I was just shy and very scared. And I hate rejection. And it was just painful. It was painful to be rejected and looked at like I was an idiot. And so I became kind of quiet and yeah, it wasn't until I turned at least 30 that I came out of my shell. And I mean, my job as a one in charge to do that. So that has helped definitely as well. Yeah, and you're such, for people that don't know, you're such a good photographer and you just have like this way of capturing things that is incredible. And I imagine it's been kind of a huge accomplishment to go do these social things and have that be your job when growing up being social was such a hard thing for you. Yeah, like I never imagined I'd be a wedding photographer. Like that was never something I thought about at any point. Um, Yeah, like weddings are full of emotion and there's just a lot going on. Like so many energies, so many different kinds of energies. 
I love it. I love my job so much. I do struggle still, even after almost 20 years of doing it. I'm, I, it's mostly like the, the talking and the communication with people. It's not so much the talent part of it, um, that I'm pretty confident in, but there's something about holding a camera that makes me feel the most powerful in the room, you know, cause I can instantly make someone feel uncomfortable just by pointing them. You've got the so, power. Yeah. Or yeah. So I feel I feel very powerful as a water photographer and well, I think it's, um, something too that, and I don't know, I feel like you're just naturally gifted at it, at just capturing things in a way that just tells a story really well. After like a long wedding, uh, a day of taking pictures, do you feel like you need to come home and kind of like recharge? Like, are there things that you do after a wedding to kind of like, cause like you said, there's energy coming at you from all directions. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's an interesting question because yeah, I can't just go right to bed even though I am tired. Um, I have to rest my brain because I am an introvert. So uh, my batteries run out very quickly as in the social aspect of it. My, my body can go forever. Like I am full of energy in that regard, but <laughs> my brain, um, when it comes to having to communicate, um, is something that run the batteries run out really quickly. So with all the noise, cause it is noisy, <laughs> especially at the end. Like I can't even hear myself think, uh, by the time I get home, I just need to like sit in silence, have a cocktail or something. And then maybe like an hour later, I'll go to bed. Like, do you ever do any like energy shield type stuff when you're in those environments that are very chaotic? I don't know if I know what that means, but can you explain? Yeah, so, what like, I was just thinking this could maybe be something you could implement, but like That's this morning, I, I just sat down on the floor and I just went through all of my chakras and kind of tried to open them up just by visualizing like energy, you know, so mm -hmm. I went to the next one and then to my throat and then to my heart, you know, all the way to my root. And something I like to do when I'm doing that is I picture like a heart shaped stone. That's like, like a lot of times I'll do selenite. Uh, today I did pink opal cause that's good for like a broken heart, which I am currently <laughs> mending my broken heart. So I just picture like a heart shaped pink opal going down into each of my chakras. And then once I get down to my root, I picture roots like literally going into the ground and then from there I picture like the color of the stone whatever color it is I picture that color coming up all the way out of my crown chakra and then just like enveloping me in that color and I kind of just like picture okay so like this is kind of my guard like this is my energy shield and like, I'm going to try really hard not to let people's energy penetrate into this. Like, I want to be there for people. I want to support people, but I'm going to try not to take on their energy. 
And so I was just, as you're talking about the chaos of that, I'm like, I wonder if that would be beneficial, but who knows? That the, I would be open to trying that. Um, the shot, right? <laughs> I, I never considered that, but I will now. Um, <laughs> I've been told by multiple people at weddings, how calm I am. And maybe that's just because I'm familiar with the environment of weddings and I know exactly how they're going to go. Cause I am a creature of habit. I like routine. I, I just know how things are going to pan out. And also I have a job to do. I'm pretty focused on getting the shots and that kind of distracts me from the energies that I may absorb because I am a sponge. Um, big, big emotional sponge. Um, if I was just there as a guest, it would be completely different. (laughs) Um, but if I'm working and I have a task to do something to focus on, then it's not so bad, but I, I would like to try to have what you mentioned, like a, an energy around me to repel those. Yes. Those strong, like, energies that just can... So, when do you feel like your PMDD started? I want to say 2019. Okay. Which is is odd because I was... In 2019, I was 34. Something like that. Um, <laughs> I had started doing the keto diet and I think that might have been a contributing thing, but I'm not sure because as soon as I started the keto diet, that's when my mood swings would increase. So like half the month I'd feel okay. The other half of the month I was not okay. (laughs) And then in 2020, like at the near beginning of the lockdown, I started to really get suicidal ideation. Like it was, I was seriously considering it. I didn't know that what I was doing was, was, um, concerning because I was seeing a therapist in 2019 and I told her like, Oh, you know, yeah, of course I think about killing myself, but you know, I feel like everyone feels that way. And she's like, no, actually that's not the case. Like, (laughs) yeah, it just got to a point in June of 2020. I don't know if the pandemic contributed to it. Maybe I kind of think it didn't though, but maybe it did. I don't know. But I just woke up one morning. It was the it was Father's Day in in twenty twenty. And I told my then husband, like, I don't want to live anymore. And I had been I had made a plan and I was planning on writing notes to family and friends and I'm not gonna say what I was planning on doing, but um I said like I need to get help. Cause this, this is not going to work for me. So I checked into the hospital that day 
and I stayed there for almost a week and I was finally prescribed antidepressants for the first time in my life. And I immediately started to feel better. It was like, my body was just like, finally, like I have something. Cause I, I felt, I have felt depression, anxiety, probably as long as I can remember. And I, the, the very first antidepressant that they gave me is the one that I'm still taking. Like usually you have to try a few and literally Prozac was the one for me. And I was like, cool. <laughs> I'm glad I had to try a yeah, bunch that's of That's incredible. For me, Prozac was the second one that they gave me. Um, the first one was Zoloft and that didn't work for me. Um, I have read that people with PMDD, Prozac can be really helpful for them. There's something about it. And even like some people with PMDD, like people that don't also have depression and anxiety normally, they can start taking the Prozac like the day that their PMDD symptoms start, uh -huh. the end of their period. And that in and of itself can be enough, which... I know a lot of antidepressants, it takes a lot of time to like get into your system, but there's something about Prozac that, you know, you take it and, and you notice a difference a lot sooner than you would with another antidepressant. So, um, that's so lucky that that's what they started you on and that that's what, and are you still taking that? I am. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like my body was just like, I will take anything you give me. Like literally. And so, yeah, that's been working really well for me. I did have to up the dosage after a period of time, but I feel like I'm in a good, good dose dosage now. Um, and I also just want to like, say like I was diagnosed with PMDD by the doctor in the hospital when I was it, when I was there. Um, this isn't like armchair self-diagnosis thing. Um, so had you heard of PMDD before that? Like, did you kind of have an idea or was it like you went in, you talked to them about the symptoms you'd been having and they were like, this is PMDD. You know, what's funny is I think I heard about it from you because you were so vocal about it on social media and you were describing the symptoms and I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's me. <laughs> to a T. Um, I didn't mention that to the doctor. I, I just told him my symptoms and he's like, yeah, you have PMDD. And, um, but yeah, I think you were the one that I, I heard about it from. That's so interesting. I didn't realize that. And also, so when you were saying that for you, it kind of started in 2019 for me, it started in like 2018, like the very beginning of 2018. And so, yeah, I think by by like the beginning of 2019, I was like, dude, I'm so sick of pretending like I'm okay. And so I started becoming like more vocal about what I was going through. And, you know, just like, do people even know what this is? Like, I know this affects more women than just me, you know? So that's, that's really interesting. And, um, I'm glad that the doctor like got it because I know that sometimes doctors are just like, clueless about it. Mm -hmm. So that's mm -hmm. how was the, the facility that you stayed at? What was that like? 
I've only been, you know, in the hospital one time in my life. <laughs> so I, I don't know how to compare it to like other facilities, but, um, this one was specially built for people with suicidal ideation. Like the, all the doors inside the, the rooms that they stayed in, that the patients stayed in, the door leading to the bathroom had a slant. Yep. That's how my, um, my facility was too. It was like, there was very little privacy. Yes. And then there's always someone checking on you every 10, 15 minutes, like throughout the night, all, all the time. Like you're constantly being checked on. There's no clock in the, in your room. I remember I couldn't hear the, the rain. I couldn't hear the birds singing outside. Um, it felt kind of isolating, but this was at the height of COVID. So I don't think we were allowed to be outside. Um, it was all compared to what it normally is. It was very pared down. It was, uh, like it was, um, useful. Did it help you? Do you feel like the doctors were good to you? Like what, what was your experience with just kind of the care that you received while you were there? I think the care was good overall. Yes. I'm, I'm satisfied with what I experienced, but like there were these classes that we were encouraged to go to. I felt like I was in grade school because we had to do drawings and like, I, I don't know. It was at one point I kind of snapped at the, the instructor teacher and I said, oh, this doesn't matter anyway. And she's like, she got mad at me. <laughs> I could have, I mean, I guess I could have done without that. I didn't really need that. But um, what I really needed was someone to just talk to. And I, what I did was I ended up talking to a lot of the fellow patients. Um, there was a girl, there was a woman that um, was there for, alcoholism and her skin was just completely yellow and she was so nice to me. I feel like she was like my guardian angel because the first couple days was rough for me and she noticed that and she kind of like took me under her wing and she was so kind. She just had this light about her and I, I hope she's doing good now. It is crazy how you, how you have such a vulnerable experience with a bunch of strangers and then you you know you open up you share all these things you, you form this bond and then they're just gone or you're just gone and you don't talk to them again yeah I I was allowed to have a notebook and a very specific kind of marker I, I wasn't allowed to have pens or pencils but I drew I drew these individuals and and their names so that I would remember. I didn't get to all of them, but I remember their names. I remember what they look like and I remember their stories and, and there's just all kinds of people in all walks of life, all different ages. And, and the reason I was there is horrible, but I'm grateful that I got to know them. There was one patient and she was a schizophrenic. She would throw whoops, she would throw peanut butter at the nurses, <laughs> occasionally at the other patients. <laughs> wow, that's an adventure. Yes. And I remember 
at one point she was looking at me like she was going to you know, fire me at me. And I'm like, I, I just shot her a look like, no, no, not today. <laughs> I felt like she respected me after that because she was super nice. She loved to look at my ring, my, my wedding ring. And every morning she, she would scream and holler. And she was like my alarm clock. <laughs> she, she was in the, the room next to mine. And then when she left, I honestly missed her voice. I missed hearing her screaming. (laughs) Yeah, I'll I'll never forget the other patients that were there. And Did you feel like coming out of there, did you feel like, okay, I kind of have an idea of how to get through this every month now, get through this PMDD, um... How did you feel coming out? Were you ready to come out? Were you ready to get back into life at that point? Definitely, yeah. I was ready to come out and but I was I, I think the the Prozac made me anxious. And that's a common side effect when it's when you start taking it. I remember the I think it was like maybe the day after I got home, I went to the grocery store and I was just so overwhelmed with anxiety, but I knew deep down that what, like the, the antidepressant that I was taking was going to help me in the long run. So I stuck with it and eventually the anxiety went away Nice. and my depression got better. And yeah, to this day, I'm still taking it and it's still working. I remember you saying that you were on Prozac and then it wore off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm still on it, um, but there's only so much it can do for me now. The first, like, year and a half that I was on it was amazing. This was actually before PMDD hit. I remember the first year and a half of taking Prozac, I was like, I didn't know life could be this good, you know? (laughs) Then when PMDD hit, I think it was just, like, a little too much. Like, the Prozac was like, I'm already working so hard, man. Like, I can't cover this too, you know? I mean, I don't really know the science behind it, but we played around with different antidepressants and different, went down different avenues, uh, like upping the dose. And, you know, I tried going off of it altogether. And what it, what it has come down to always is that um, Prozac is still doing something for me. It's not uh-huh. bridging the gap completely, but it is doing enough to keep me mostly stable <laughs> most of the time. Like, I need it, you know? So I think that is something that can happen with antidepressants is your body can get used to them, and then uh-huh. you end up the dose. And um, for for my body, for some reason, it, it just seems to... It's very sensitive to... Yeah any change whatsoever and so I found that I feel the most like myself on Prozac and it does keep me mostly stable and so that's what I'm still taking now oh yeah I remember you telling me that after a year it didn't work as well for you so I was like oh boy so at the one year mark I was I was dreading it but it's been almost three years it's been, in my opinion, working really well for me. And I'm very, I'm very grateful for science. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> super grateful. After the like super challenging 
year that you've had this this past year? I mean, you've been through obviously a lot of challenges over your lifetime, but this last year has kind of brought you to your knees, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, what are some things that you're doing right now to help yourself get through your days and to help yourself look for the light and um, just keep holding on, you know? I'm I'm reading a lot. I haven't read this much ever, but I'm reading a lot of books and I've been focused on hobbies. Like I make candles. Um, I've started my spring garden indoors. I've been focused on making those little seeds come to life. Like there's just something about making that making something come to life that makes me feel alive I love that ending on me you know like it's just that's been helping me I remember in one of your previous episodes on this podcast you had mentioned a coping skill that involved feeling where your pain is Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh I do the exact same thing except I lay down and put my hands on my chest. And there's something about doing this that feels I'm connected to myself. I'm giving myself a hug. I'm being present with myself. And I, yeah, I do try to like pinpoint where the pain and anguish is coming from. A lot of the times it's in the upper body, like my throat or my stomach. I felt it in my teeth one time, which was Um. really, yeah, it's mostly my upper body. I rarely feel feel it in my lower body. But um, yeah, I, I encourage you to try to like just put your hands on your chest when you do that too. Um, because there, like I said, there were days I couldn't get out of bed. And people say to depressed people, well, go take a walk. Like, go do this, do that. It's like, well, I can't. I'm not able to. I can't, I can't even manage that. But what I can manage is to lay in bed and put my hands on my chest and just be with my pain and just pinpoint where it is. That is something I could do. So I did that for a while. I still do it from time to time, but I don't do it as much just because I I am feeling a little bit better after a couple months. That's really cool. I'll have to try that, putting my hands on my heart or on my chest when I'm doing that exercise. I like that a lot. I know one of the things that has been helping you has been music, but you've kind of had to be careful about what you let yourself listen to because you don't want to like feel the emotions that are like, well, you don't want it to bring you down into a dark place. Yes. Yeah. I can't like lately. I just can't listen to most music because it's about love songs. Mm -hmm. There's a song. So it's, (laughs) I'm limited to what, I'm okay with, but actually last year, like after my dad died, the only kind of music I could listen to was, uh, from Aurora, who is a Norwegian singer. It was the only, her music was the only music I could stomach because it was so hopeful and so wholesome and. Yeah. Almost like ethereal. Don't you think? Very ethereal. Yeah. She is my. She is my Norwegian sister. <laughs> um, she is just like on a, a whole other level. Like she's on a very high level of consciousness and 
I just love her and I love her music and um, it's really, her music has really helped me cope with the last year. And anytime I'm having a bad day, I just put on her playlist and I feel okay. So you shared with me, um, I think it was River by Aurora. Yes. And I actually put that on the psych patient playlist because I loved it so much. Yes. Um, Are there any, is there like a specific song besides River that you would want to add to the psych patient playlist? Yes. Well, I, okay. So I prepared for this. Um, I was going to give you two. So the river would, would be one of them. Um, cause you know, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first lyrics are put your hands on your chest and tell me what you find. Um, so that's an obvious answer. I'm going to give you a not so obvious answer that nobody in the history of your podcast will ever choose this song. <laughs> um, but I'm going to go with, <laughs> I'm going to go with Tub Thumping by Chumbawamba. Yes! I love it so much. Just let me explain. Hear me out. I'm ready. (laughs) Uh, So when I got hit by the car, I was actually listening to that song. And I was listening to like a Y2K kind of playlist, um, Spotify. And that was the song that was playing when I got hit. And if you look at the lyrics, it's actually like a really uplifting song. Like I get knocked down, but I get up again and it just keeps repeating and repeating. And here's another vulnerable thing I'm sharing. Um, the reason I went for a walk that day, cause I hadn't really been for a walk for a while before that. The reason I went for a walk that day was because I was trying not to drink. And so I thought, well, I'll go for a walk. I'll get out of the house and that'll prevent me from having a drink. So I, I found it funny that I'm trying to like improve my life. And then that happens. And in the song, it talks about drinking and a lot of interpretations of the song says it's about drinking. And I don't know, like that, that's just like the anthem of my 2022, you know, (laughs) Seriously, you just kept getting knocked down and having to get back up again. Yeah, yeah. Like the drinking was just kind of a coping, becoming like a coping mechanism. Oh, yeah. And you were recognizing that, and that's why you were like, okay, I need to go do something else to try to get my mind off that. Because, I mean, it was a rough year, and it wasn't so much the amount that I was drinking. It was just the reason why I was drinking, and... And I was aware that it was becoming a problem. To this day, it still is. But I'm getting into a good headspace now. And I'm going to be able to make better decisions. Because, I, like I said, I feel like I'm coming out of that hole now. But yes, it is definitely drinking has been something I use to cope. Yeah. And I think that's pretty normal. I think a lot of people use that to cope, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's cool that you're aware of it and that you're, like, cognizant of, like, I want to try to make this not be something I rely on so much, you know. Yes, yes. But yeah, there is a lot of irony in the fact that you went to go on a walk and then 
I know. You got knocked down again. No, it's just hilarious, isn't it? Oh my <laughs> just... gosh. Sometimes all you can do is laugh, right? Like, oh, really? Yeah. Like, if I didn't have my humor, I wouldn't be here. Like, it, it, life is hilarious. And the <laughs> fact that horrible things happened in such a short amount of time is so funny to me. And I, yeah, I have to laugh about it. I have to laugh about it. That's why comedians, like, that's why people who have been through hell and back are comedians. They have felt all that pain and they were able to turn it into something funny. Mm-hmm. And that's literally, I feel like that's the only option sometimes is just to laugh. Just like, oh my gosh, life is such a shit show. <laughs> I was laughing and crying at the same time at points so far this year because I'm it's yeah it's it's a lot (laughs) I'm hopeful I'm glad I'm glad that you're feeling hopeful and I'm so glad that you're starting to feel like you're coming out of that really dark dark hole and dark place you know and that you're starting to see the light I think Uh, I, my Reiki, I did a Reiki session. Can we talk about that for a sec? Absolutely. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be really quick. I did two Reiki sessions. I did a 30 minute one and then an hour. And the first time I went, she, she, after the session, she said, I was sensing three energies from you. And she said, I was sensing lost, um, resentment and confused and I'm like oh that's spot on because I didn't do anything about me and she said she also mentioned like you have been through something but I feel like you're coming out of it and that was also spot on too and then I told her like oh yeah I've been through all this stuff she's like yeah yeah <laughs> so I feel that Reiki's amazing, isn't it? Thing, yeah, I prefer it over a massage, to be honest. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I much prefer Reiki over a massage as well. So I'm glad that that was helpful for you. Do you have any quotes or books or anything like that that you'd want to share with? Well, um, one of the books that I was going to mention has already been mentioned in a previous episode, which is fine, but I think this book deserves to be mentioned more than once. Um, when things fall apart by Pema Chodron, I think I'm correctly. I remember you guys saying like, you weren't sure if you were pronouncing it, but yeah, I have not quite finished that book yet, but I, I'm waiting because I don't want to finish it because it's so good. (laughs) But yes, I highly recommend that book. I also bought another book by her called The Places That Scare You that I'm going to start reading after I finish that. And then I'm also reading This Is How You Heal by Brianna Wiest. Oh, and and that was another, I think that was another person that my friend Cindy had mentioned was Brianna. Yeah. Yeah. It's worth mentioning again because, like, I'm really enjoying it. It's been very helpful to to read these words during this time. So, yeah. That's awesome. Do you have any quotes that you would want to share or, like, end the episode with? Um, the only one that's coming to my head is, if you're in hell, keep walking. 
simple. The only way out is through. That's, that's what that one reminds me of is like the only way to get out of this hard place that you're in is just to keep going and taking those baby steps. Yeah. Just keep looking. Yeah. Just keep looking ahead. Thank you so much for doing this. I think there's just so much value in hearing other people's story and knowing you're not alone, like you had said earlier, and hearing what's working for other people and how they're getting through it because we're all at different levels as far as like where we're at on our mental health journey, as they say. And I th- and one of the things with this podcast is I want people to be able to see all the different levels that different people are at and, and feel comfort in that, you know? So I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and being willing to share your story. And it was so good to see your face via Zoom. Yeah. You too. Yeah, this is, we should do this all the time. <laughs> I know. It's great, right? We need, I know. It's good to process. It's good to talk about these things. And um, I just really appreciate you doing this. And I guess I'll let you know if the recording didn't work, then we'll get to do it again. <laughs> Seriously, no worries. Um, I appreciate you allowing me the space to share because it does help me deal, you know, with this thing called life. So yeah, I thank you so much for having me. Of course. Okay. And I guess this is where we say, and in the name of psych patients everywhere, amen. And 